Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So there was an elderly man. He was living down in Florida with his wife, and one day he called his son in New York City. And he said to him, son, things are not going well here at home. Your mother is driving me nuts, and we are going to get a divorce. I just need some peace and quiet for the rest of my days, and so I'm just calling you so you can let your sister know so that she won't be shocked when I move out and move in with her. So, he hangs up, and the son immediately calls his sister, tells her the news. Well, then, she says, I will handle this, and so she calls her father in Florida. He answers the phone, and she says, I heard the news. I don't want you to do anything until I get there. I'll be there on Wednesday night. This is now late in November, and so... She hangs up, and then he hangs up as well, and he calls out to his wife. He says, all right, the kids are going to be here for Thanksgiving. Now, how do we get them here for Christmas? (laughs) I don't know. Some people don't like to go home. Most of us do. Home is where the heart is. Home is a place where we are welcomed. We are loved and we are supported. Last night I was driving from Cleveland, Ohio. I was there for Sharon's sister's memorial service. And it was getting late in the evening. I was driving through Chicago. We had a few raindrops. And about all I could think of was I just want to get home. And when I got home, the phone rang and it was the voice of my wife. That is what we need. That is what we all want for our home. We have this desire. We see it in in movies all the time. What does Dorothy say in The Wizard of Oz? There is no place like home. E.T. in the extraterrestrial? Phone home, right? Phone home. That's what my son Philip says all the time when He is done with me. Go home, he says, right? We have this desire, this this place where all of us want and need to be. C.S. Lewis once said that there is a desire in every human being that can be fulfilled except for one. So, when we get tired, there is rest. When we are hungry, there is food. When we are thirsty, there is water. But there is this one hole in our heart, this one desire that only God can fill. That is the need to be with Him. And He says this desire, this spiritual longing, cannot be filled here on earth because earth is really not our home. And one day, God will call us to truly be home, to be home with him forever. That is what Jesus promised when he told his disciples, when he said in the gospel that he has gone to prepare a place for them. And one day he would return and he will bring them to himself. 
It's the same promise that he gives to all of us. Now, how many of you have been to heaven? Nobody? Uh, We see in the movies it's kind of like Iowa, but I don't know for sure. Uh, You've probably heard preachers talk about what heaven will be like. I know one time I heard a preacher go on and on and on about the mansions of heaven and the great rooms and how wonderful it would be and how exquisite and exotic and, and expensive the rooms would be. And he said that there would be lush golf courses and beautiful lakes and running waters and, and, and beautiful sunshine and clouds just billowing there, puffy in the air, just floating by. And he went on and on, and I was thinking to myself, how does he know? Uh, I think the preacher was me. (laughs) The truth is, we don't know, do we? We have not been there. The Bible describes all of these, these metaphors for us so that we can get an idea of the beauty and the wonder of heaven. But the thing that truly makes it special is who is there. The angels and all the saints, but most importantly, God himself is there. And that is what makes it so special. He promises that when we get there, there will be no more danger, no evil, no sin. Not even our own nature. Everything will be perfect. And God's glory will shine and reign over everything. That is the promise that we have. The good news is that Jesus loved us so much that he gave up his life there on the cross so that we could be with him forever in heaven. Good news. But it gets better. (laughs) It gets even better. As amazing as this news is that God would love us so much that he would prepare a place for us in heaven forever, the more amazing news is that he is also with us while we are here on earth. His goodness, his mercy, and not our sins, nor our selfishness, will follow us all of our days. Don't you think that's pretty amazing? That even though we are sinful creatures, even though we live in an evil world, that is not what follows us around each day of our life while we're here on earth waiting to go home. But God's goodness and mercy is what follows us. Now I have a question here in your notes. It's one that you have probably asked from time to time. If not, you have at least heard it said. If God is good, why is there so much evil in the world? Have you heard that before? Am I just making this up? You've heard that. If God is so good, if God is so loving, if God is so powerful, why is there so much evil? Why do bad things happen? Well, I would submit it's really the wrong question. Because we know that we are basically evil. We are sinners by nature. And so is the rest of the world. So a better question is this. If people are basically evil, and yes, they are, then where does all the goodness come from? If we live in a fallen, sinful, evil world, there shouldn't be any goodness at all. 
And yet there is. It follows us all the days of our life because we have a God who is good. We have a God who is kind. We have a God who is compassionate. We have a God who loves us. And even when we sin, he is there for us. Many years ago, when I was just starting out in college, I had this little rebellious nature about me. I know it's hard to believe these days, but I did have this thing going on, and I often got myself into trouble. And one time, I got myself into trouble. I had to go to the dean's office, and... He said, your punishment is going to be, you have to tell your father what you did. So I'm at a boarding school. I'm away uh, from home. And on the weekend, it's only 15 miles here at the junior college, from Concordia to the farm in Blackburn. So we go there uh, on the weekend And I am just dreading this. I'm still dreading this, you know, 40 years later. Now, telling you the story. And I had to tell my father what I had done, how I had besmirched the family reputation, how I had soiled his name, how disappointed he must be in me. So I have my speech all prepared, and I I tell him what I had done. And I expect that I would be grounded, I would be punished, I would probably not be allowed to go back to college. I would have to live out the rest of my days toiling forever on the farm. And all he said was, I forgive you, but remember who you are. We can break our Heavenly Father's heart with our sin by not measuring up to the standards of our name. And yet, as our loving Heavenly Father, He will never break the covenant with us. His promise is that there is no punishment for us because Jesus has already borne it for us. There is only forgiveness. And there is hope for tomorrow to live up to our name. Our God is good and He follows us all the days of our life with that goodness and with that mercy. God values us not because of what we do as His children, but rather because of the love that He has for us as His children. We've spent the last four weeks talking about the psalm, going through the phrases and what they mean for us. And as always, there needs to be a response from us. So I ask you again, What is your response? What is your response to the goodness and mercy? What is your response to being led by the Lord to the goodness of the pastures and the still waters? The Word of God that nourishes and encourages and strengthens you. What is your response today when the table is again prepared for you? 
How will you live out this week and the rest of your life being anointed with the oil that God has given to you with the purpose that you now have to to glorify Him and to share the good news? Well, there's a good story that might help us out a little bit. Remember Garrison Keeler? We're familiar with him and the Prairie Home Companion. There was a story that he once told. It was about a teenager. He lived there in Minnesota and he was traveling to St. Paul. He was going to buy some tickets to a rock concert. And so he wanted to be first in line, so he got there early in the evening when the tickets were being sold, and he waited all night long until the very next morning when he finally got there to the queue and he picked up his ticket and he drove back home. And when he got there, he simply placed the tickets on the kitchen table and he went to bed because he'd been up for a very long time. His mother, who disapproved of the band that he was going to go and see, who did not approve of the lyrics, who hated the music, who heard all the horror stories about what happens at those terrible rock concerts, who'd heard about all the terrible people who go to them, there she sees the ticket. And she wonders what she ought to do. Should she hide them? Should she tear them up? Should she just leave them there and allow her son to go to the concert that she so despised? It's a dilemma. What would you do as a loving mother? What would you do as a caring parent? And then Garrison Keeler says, and that's the news this week from Lake Wobegon, where all the women are strong, (laughs) and all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. And that was it. Until next week, Garrison Keeler is there on the radio again. And he says, You know, it's been quite a week. I have received all of these letters. People are asking me, what happened? What did she do? What did the mother do? And he says, I don't know about you, but in my life there are a lot of unfinished stories. (laughs) And he refused to tell them how it ended. And I can't tell you how your life is going to end either. I know that we all have a lot of unfinished stories. But I want to encourage you as you continue on your journey of life, as you continue to write your story, that you would heed the words of the psalmist that the Lord is indeed your shepherd. There is nothing in this life that you could ever want or need because the shepherd is there for you. He provides everything materially and spiritually.
that you could ever want or need. He is going to lead you in the proper direction. He is going to protect you. He is going to guide you. He is going to stand there in the gap between the evil of this world and yourself. And when the devil or any other enemy rears its ugly head, he will be there to make sure that you are not harmed. He is going to keep his promise that one day he is going to take you to your heavenly home. And in between, he is going to strengthen you with his sacrament and with his word and with the encouragement of his people. He has anointed you with oil. You have a purpose to share the glory of God, the good news of Jesus Christ with those who are around you. And yet, through all of this, He always gives you a choice. You can listen to His voice or you can go your own way. He's anxious to lead you, but He never, ever forces you. And so again today, the choice is yours. How you will finish your story. It's my prayer for every one of you and for all of your families that you would follow the Good Shepherd, knowing that His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And in so doing, one day He will call you home to be there with Him forever. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's all rise now and make our profession of faith.